All right, chasers. Well, I'm going to face my fears and dive right in, I guess. The Jack Daniels episode. You guys reached out to me and told me, Bobby, quit talking shit and drink it. Well, here we go. Part one with American brand ambassador for Jack Daniels, Eric E.T. Tikoski. So you know what to do. Pour a dram of Jack Daniels. Settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. So I have a shtick that I do where I I love whiskey. I love all whiskeys, whiskeys everywhere. But I have a shtick where I pick on Jack Daniels a little bit. To be fair, my love-hate relationship with Jack Daniels goes back to, you know, military days, college days, where Jack Daniels was an abusive friend that I mistreated poorly. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think... Wait, who is the abusive friend here? You or Jack Daniels? I, I think I think at the end of the story we find out it was me. We we find that I was <laughs> the whole time we we thought he was, but it was me at the end. Um, I uh, he 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 was there for me when I needed him the most, and I, I just thought he was. I, I was I was the Jenny in the uh, in the uh, Jack Daniels Bobby Forrest Gump story. So I was the bad guy. Gotcha, at the end. gotcha. Yeah. Um. But I I want to know more about it. I want to love it. I want to I, I I find that for me I fall in love with a whiskey when there's more story behind it, and I get a little more you know love from the from the perspective of somebody who believes in the brand. And I know you believe in the brand. I've read you know all about you. I've heard interviews with you before. You're definitely you know a by definition a brand ambassador you're taking that to heart jack daniels for me is and this is you know number number old number seven it's kind of like what tequila is for a lot of people there's a there's something there that's haunting me and i guess why i asked you to come come in uh and and chat with me et is i need i need an exorcist um and i think that's you Um, I'm ready for it. Yeah, man. So I want to talk through the brand a little bit. Uh, I want my listeners to know that I am willing and they should be too. I can't sit out here, people, to the listeners and preach, try everything. If you don't like it, try it again. And then myself, not do that. Um, What I have today is I have standard Jack Daniels, the uh, 40% um, sour mash. Uh, Gentleman Jack, uh, rocking and rolling here. I have the... The single single barrel select forty seven percent ABV, and then I have the rye. Uh, full disclosure, and we'll get to this in a minute. I am actually in love with the rye. I adore it. Um, it's it's one of my favorite ryes. Um, I'm a fan of the single barrel, gentleman Jack. Haven't had that yet, so this will be a treat. And then, of course, revisiting my old friend, old number seven. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about you? and how you got to Jack, and maybe give us a little history of Jack Daniels itself, and we'll, we'll start this, uh, we'll ring the bell, and we'll, go, we'll start sipping. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, currently I'm the U.S. ambassador for Jack Daniels, and I've been in this role in a couple different, uh, you know, versions for about ten years now. And you know, prior to this, I, I come from the bar world. I ran bars, I own bars, I've I've bartended for a couple decades in Los Angeles, and I was always a Jack fan. Like that was my thing. And to be, I think a lot of it's music. You know, my dad was all Sinatra all the time. My mother uh, bred rock and roll to me in utero. And both those worlds meet at Jack Daniels. So, you know, if I'm really being honest, it's probably that picture of Jimmy Page um, drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels ba backstage that made me reach for it. But, you know, we get older. Like you said, you had one experience, you know, when you're in your younger days with Jack. And that was my first experience. But as you get older, you know, especially now in the whiskey age where you could grab any bottle you want. And I just kept grabbing Jack. And obviously it's the whiskey in the bottle. That's the main focus for me, but it also has a life outside of itself. It's the people in Lynchburg. It's the, the history of Jack himself. It's the history of, of Sinatra and, and music. And, you know, even current days we have, you know, hip hop and country all still that music thing is happening, but, I always loved Jack and the local team knew I always loved Jack and knew I was an easy target when they needed help with a, a dinner. And they said, Hey, would you host this dinner? And I was like, yeah, you know, this is no training. And now in front of like 40 consumers as the expert, you know, quote unquote expert, but mm. I got through that dinner and then they asked me to do something else. And then I started getting a little bit of training and finally got down to the distillery um, with the Jack people. So I really got to see, how it was made and the people that made it and the story behind it. And as you said, when you know more about, like I was just like Jack, right? So I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid long before this job. And then I got down there and I met people like the master distiller of Jack Daniels, Jack's great grandniece, Lynn Tolly guy named goose. Who's got stories for days about Jack. He's been working there, you know, decades. You can't and, have a name like goose you know, and not have stories. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, his job right now is to sit in a rocking chair, and as people come visit Jack, he tells stories. And that. you know, his his partner in crime is this guy named Randall Fanning, who's amazing storyteller as well. And the two of them just go go at it together. And you know, you meet guys like Darren and Tracy, who make mm -hmm. all of the charcoal that makes Jack Daniels a Tennessee whiskey. And it's stuff like that that gets you more. In, you know, once you start seeing that and also, you know, full tr transparency, Jack's a giant brand. Mm. So, you know, when I go visit a distillery, you're expecting robots and, and lab coats and, all, and just science and, and technology. And then you watch guys in jeans rolling a barrel or, you know, testing the, the fermenters to see what day they're on and making charcoal by by hand lighting it on fire with 140 proof Jack Daniels because we don't want any other flavor um, intruding into the process of making whiskey. Like if we use lighter fluid, that could that could hurt the whiskey. Mm -hmm. So they use 140 proof Jack to light the sugar maple wood on fire. So when it burns down, the only flavor that that got added besides the wood itself was Jack. Interesting. So interesting enough. Stuff like real. that. Interesting enough, real quick, I have also used Jack Daniels to light a fire. So, um, <laughs> I, I've, so just, I just wanted to share that with you. No, but keep going. No, I, 
I I don't want to stop you because I love it. I just had to throw that little poor joke in there, but this is what I'm talking about. It's the story. It's the love. It's the passion. It's I'm walking through this distillery with you on this on this trail, and you want to hear what they're doing, and they love what they're... Look, they're putting out God knows how many bottles of the standard Jack Daniels. I mean, it's every shelf, everywhere. You can get it anytime. I... I I could probably go to a church and find a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's just, it's just around. Everybody has it somewhere. Um, but, but it's consistent. And I think I preach so much and my efforts here are to, to, to be, to repent a little bit, I, I think. And I preach so much about, don't forget about the rail whiskeys. Don't forget about, you know, the original, you know, a, a, a single barrel, you know, four roses, single barrel, four roses, small batch, you know, you know, distiller reserve or something is great, but don't forget about, you know, regular old everyday 40%, you know, four roses or whatever it may be. Jack Daniels is the same thing and people love it. People respect the consistent creation of what's going into that bottle. And it, it's cool to hear that it's just because they're consistent and they're making amazing things consistently. Yeah. Look, bef- before we get back into history, just to, to comment on what you just said. So, yeah, Jack Daniels is made to be consistent. When you crack a bottle of Jack Daniels in Toledo, Timbuktu, or, you know, anywhere in the world, the goal is Jack is Jack. It looks the same. It tastes the same. And that's a craft in itself. You know, you you can't just start making whiskey and you know, by law, bourbon and Tennessee whiskey, you, there's no caramel color. So you want to get nine facings of Jack on a shelf and they all look exactly the same. Not easy to do. Right. Um, but, but when you start talking about some of our, our um, expressions now that are more innovative, you know, you have 10 year Jack, you have our bonded, you have triple mash, which is the first time three bonded whiskeys have ever lived together in one bottle in the history of making whiskey. Right. So if you start looking at all those things and say, wow, look what cool stuff Jack Daniels is doing. Remember, that all starts with Jack Daniels. The same way we make 10 year or Coy Hill or all these new shiny versions of Jack that are getting all this press and attention Mm -hmm. and love. They all start with Jack. You can't have 10 year Jack without old number seven. You can't have Coy Hill without old number seven. So if someone's going to point to Coy Hill and be like, wow, what a cool small batch crafty whiskey. Then you kind of point to all number seven and say, wow, what a cool big batch crafty right, whiskey. Right. Right. Yeah. No, and, I think that. you know, so, you know, and for me, man, like people always ask me, oh, you probably can get whatever Jack you want. What do you drink? I drink old number seven. And I'll tell you why. When I go out, you know, I typically don't have one drink. OK. And if I'm going to be out with some friends and we're going to have a couple drinks, I dig the fact that it's 80 proof because I can start my night, enjoy my night and finish my night and remember my night. Right. So now when I'm home, if I'm going to have one whiskey, maybe I'll crack a bottle of barrel proof. Maybe yeah. I'll crack a bottle of core Hill and enjoy one whiskey, warm me up 153 proof. But I, I can't sustain that out in the sure. shower. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I love the fact that Jack tastes good. It's always the same and it's, nice to have a few with your friends. Yeah. Um, you know, because you want, I mean, look, you know, corporate phrase, I got to be responsible, right? We all should be responsible, but it's, 
I do also, as a human, love it. I'm not getting any younger, so I like the fact that I can have a couple jacks with some friends and and really enjoy my night. But I also love the fact that Chris Fletcher and Lexi Phillips, you know, our master still and assistant distiller, are out there putting out whiskeys that, you know, people that would say like, "Oh, I haven't tried Jackson's College," are now freaking out and like calling me like, "Can you get me this?" I'm like, "Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> what happened when I tried to get you a bottle of bowl number seven? Yeah. Right? Where were you then? Yeah. Um, but it all starts there. And and to be honest, it all started with Jack. I mean, Jack was real. You know, that's just not marketing. We didn't just unearth some old school name of a you know someone around the era and say this is our brand. Jack was real, and you know he left home. You know, depending on records, eight ten years old, to forge his own path, and he ended up living um, on the call farm. Dan Call and his wife, they only had two daughters at the time that Jack got there. And back in the day, you know, people had lots of kids because there's lots of chores to do. So Jack was helping out in the farm, the general store, around the house. And Dan Call was also studying to become a Lutheran minister. And he realized real quick that Jack was a hustler. He's a good kid. So after work one day, he brought Jack down to the creek to show him his side hustle, which was making whiskey. And, you know, Jack fell in love. He, like, freaked out. And one day he told Dan Call, when I grow up, I want to be the best whiskey maker there is. So in order for Dan Call to help Jack realize this, you know, his self-fulfilling prophecy, he introduced him to a guy named Nathan or nearest green, um, who at the time was an enslaved man on the call farm mm-hmm. known to be one of the better whiskey makers. And he asked nearest green, can you help me teach young Jack to become a great whiskey maker? And that started this great mentorship. And a few years into it, Dan call goes up to Jack and says, um, Hey, you know, my wife kind of put her foot down. She said, cause I'm a minister now and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a beacon of light for this community. I shouldn't be doing this. So choose a spirit. Slang and, whiskey and, you know, he sure. chose happy wife. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so he, you know, he's chose happy wife, happy life. And he wanted Jack to buy a still. And Jack's like, you know, I'm basically a kid and you don't pay me. So what am I buying it with? And he's like, look, well, if you take over, you can start making your own money and maybe paid off as credit. So uh, for, I think, 25 bucks on credit, Jack bought the still. And, you know, slavery at this point had ended. So the first thing Jack did was hired Nearest Green to be his head distiller, which today we would call a master distiller. That didn't term didn't exist back then. And they kept making whiskey, selling whiskey. And this went on for a few years until Jack, um, he discovered a cave, uh, Spring Hollow, a few miles away from the farm and that water he thought to be superior whiskey making water and wanted to move the still. And he asked, you know, nearest to come and nearest like, look, I'm older, you know, depending on what book you read, nearest is about 70. And I think he made a lot of money and owned a lot of land. And it's like, I'm going to just chill here. His two sons, George and Eli went with Jack and that cave where they set up the still supplies all the water today that makes Jack Daniels that same cave. That's incredible. Every once in a while, Heida, I feel I've got to, I've got to make you a drink. I feel like you need to make me a drink too. <laughs> like right now? Well, maybe not right now, but many times. <laughs> so Impex has traditionally been an importer of whiskey or, or a seller of whiskey, right? Yes. We now have a line called California. 
Yes. And it's all cordials, liqueurs, etc. So you've got your spice liqueurs, your glugs, your fernets, your amaros, your falernums, your aquavites, and orange liqueurs. Talk to me, babe. I could mix that with a host of things. I could mix it with some lemon heart rum. Mm. I could mix it with some black dot rum. I could maybe sneak in a cheeky wee whiskey and mix it in there. And you wouldn't even know you're drinking whiskey. Whoa. That's right. If you want to make the best cocktails, if you want me to make the best cocktails, I do. What should I be using? Whatever that was you were just talking about. (laughs) California. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, That one. That's the one. (laughs) Impex Beverages. Yeah. Proud sponsor. Yeah. Cast Chasers Podcast. You betcha. So it's an. Yeah, it's a natural source of iron-free water because it's a limestone cave. And, you know, limestone is nature's way of filtering out iron, which you can't have in whiskey water. So, you know, Jack found a great cave. It's also a great temperature for making whiskey. And, you know, we've been using that cave to make our whiskey ever since. And what I think is fascinating, because you say it a lot, like we're a big brand. Yeah, we're in 170-plus countries, you know, but every single drop of Jack Daniels still comes from that little town of Lynchburg, Tennessee, where more people work at the distillery than live in the town. One stoplight, um, you know, still pretty dry community. And, you know, every part of it. So the water is natural, right? The second source of flavor of whiskey, yeast. We make our own yeast. It's not something we buy from a bake supply company like yeast number xy259 which is the jack daniels yeast Mm -hmm. right that we just buy from someone we make it and we can date we can legally trace that whiskey back to prohibition i'm sure it's the same strain jack used but we just don't have like a text thread of his nephew telling someone that we're still using uncle jack's yeast um but so now you got yeast you got water i told you we make the charcoal on site by hand two guys darren tracy that's incredible also the you know, we only use um, number one grains. So corn, rye, barley, all number one, which is human grade grains, you know. And finally, the number one source of flavor for any aged American whiskey is the barrel. And we don't buy the barrels. We make the barrels. And it's not just making barrels. We're buying trees. You know, trees come into our stave mills and our partner stave mills. We grade them. And if they don't make the grade, we usually send them down the road to a paper mill, which they don't need as dense and, and as um, effective oak as we do. And then once we decide that tree can be, you know, a jack barrel, start cutting it down, shaving it in the staves, sending it to our cooperage. And there you have guys and girls making barrels. I think 123 hands touch it, the process, right? So it's, it's crazy to watch the pride knowing that they made a barrel that somewhere in the world, someone's going to drink Jack Daniels in something they made by hand. And then those barrels come to Lynchburg and they get filled with whiskey. Um, And, you know, I I don't like throwing around the word craft. I know we said it earlier, like, but to me, I can't make you love Jack taste. That is your opinion. That is all your viewers. You're you're off to a good start. You put in a glass. You're off to a good start, though. You know, you know, you can't make, I can't tell you how great Jack is and then make you agree with me. I can tell you how well it's made. And if you want to respect the whiskey on the merits of the process of how it's being made, that's awesome. And then obviously a lot of people dig Jack because we sell a lot of it. So you can also rest assured that 
there's nothing we could do more to make better whiskey. How it affects your palate, that's up to you, right? It, my palate loves it. My mom's palate loves it. You know, a lot of people around the world's palates love Jack Daniels, but it's also super well made by people who live and die to work at Jack Daniels. There's generational uh, employees at Jack. Our assistant distiller, Lexi, I think she's third generation. And I, I feel like there's like 12 people at the distillery now that are family or in-laws. Her husband works there. He runs a single barrel facility. Her mother-in-law works there. You know, there are tons of people in her family at the distillery. Chris Fletcher, our master distiller, his grandpa, Frank Bobo, was, yeah, master distiller through all that growth from the, you know, 66 to 86. I, you, we have so a que- it's, we, it's we have a question. Somebody asked: Is um, Jack Daniels additive free? Um, I'm going to let you dive into that as uh, as the industry an industry leader there. But um, all American whiskey is essentially additive free. Um, I think, yeah, unless it's a flavored whiskey, it's all going to be additive. Um, it's one of our tequila friends well, that asked all- that question. Was that Tequila Partida that yeah, said that? Yeah. My buddy Jacques used to work for them for years and years. But um, so, yeah, not American whiskey. Um, and I found this out the hard way, but um, bourbon and Tennessee whiskey, you can't add anything. That's no sugar, no yep. no caramel color. It's, it's you know, the grains, the water, the aging, the barrel, you know, the yeast, that's it. And um, you there's nothing you can add. The only thing that we add more of, I think, than most people is love. <laughs> I love that. That's that's the cheesiness that makes me love whiskey. It's why I literally have a <laughs> podcast, man. I mean, I w- it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. So, um, so I was in the Marine Corps. I served in. Um, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, OEF. I remember no, being deployed. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, deployed, and we were. It was nighttime. True. This is a true story. It was nighttime. We had some counterparts. Um, that were, you know, foreign counterparts that were working with us, um, interpreters, things like that. And it was nighttime. It was, we were, we were just kind of doing nothing for hours. And the one guy said, in my bag, I have something that we can, we can drink. And I reached in this guy's bag and felt the bottle, knew the, that iconic square bottle, um, knew what it was. And we sat there and drank Jack and Cokes, Iraqi Coke, um, which is different. Trust me. But the Jack was the same, man. And we sat there and just hung out and drank. And at the time, it was just like, this is wild. All of it. But looking back as someone who loves whiskey, got into the world of whiskey from a media point of view, I, although I, I jokingly beat up on the old school mentality of, of Jack, it's been there for me for a very long time. And it's been part of brotherhood. You, you, I love that you say there's a lot of love in there. I've cried around a bottle of Jack. I've been to funerals where Jack was brought out. Um, it is definitely something that sparks a lot of memory and nostalgia with me. And I think this is the setting with you that that um, that's going to help me rebaptize. I I, I regrettably just don't own. Jack Daniels. I mean, I'll be candid with you. What I have here was given to me in a nativity set. And I have, it came with all the, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Which is incredible. I right. mean, I, it, it's yeah. a really cool nativity. But um, I was going to go out and buy a bottle, but, you know, I wanted to start. And 
you started at the very beginning. I'm not going to run out and buy Gentleman Jack. I get whiskey sent to me all the time. It's just a perk of what I do. I'm going to go buy a bottle of number seven, and I'm just going to start there, and I'm going to work my way up. And for the listeners, that's what I recommend you do. You work your way up. You cannot appreciate, you know, the people that are out there drinking a Macallan 25 and have never tried Macallan 12. What are you doing? It's the same thing. You know, you got to start from the bottom. And I hate using, I hate saying bottom because that infers bad. You got to start from the core and work your way up. Yeah. Look, Jack, Jack is the beating heart of Jack, you know, and like I said, everything, especially the Tennessee whiskey. So, you know, the rye is a different recipe, but all of the Tennessee whiskey offshoots, Coy Hill, Bonded, you know, uh, 10 year, um, all of the distillery series we're doing, that all starts with Jack. So I, I usually say the classic Jack, not the standard Jack, not the regular Jack, because, you know, it's, they're really if you really think about it and I say Chris Fletcher a lot, cause the guy grew up there. This was his family's kind of like nod to, to his future. And he says something great, which is once the whole grain enters our distillery, no outside source touches any part of the whiskey making process all the way up until it gets in the bottle. And that's, you can't say that on every whiskey on the planet. And there's a lot of great whiskey out there, but for me and I just love the fact that you can ask me any question and I can answer it. Uh, there's nothing I have to say. Oh, that's proprietary. Oh, that's something we don't talk about. Well, Chris, talk comes, about I love that you say that, but I think that comes from the kudos to people like Chris. He comes from that long lineage of old school mentality, master distillers and quality control people that are not hot. There's nothing to hide in whiskey. So that, to that, to hark back to that question, right. you know, before other additives, that's the beautiful thing about whiskey is there's nothing to hide and that's what sells it. So the flavor comes from science and your ability to pick a great barrel. And yeah. from, I mean, it sounds like from A to B, Jack Daniels is running the show with their own wood, their own cask, you know, their own staves, their own everything. Um, I just poured, um, I got a little bit of a dram here of, uh, of the number seven. Um, that I'm going to, I'm going to nose on as we talk. I think I wanted to walk, I want, I wanted to ask you to walk me through a tasting, but I think I'm going to do something different because there's a lot of notes that I appreciate in Jack. There's one that stands out that I think makes Jack iconic, of course. And it's that uniqueness of that charcoal filtration. Can you walk me through, can you define for the listeners what it means to be a Tennessee whiskey first off? Because there is a difference. Yes. Why isn't it yes. not just a bourbon? Because um, it meets all the qualifications, and then you get a Facebook argument for three days. Um, yes. You're right. So what Correct. is a Tennessee whiskey? What is that filtration? What is that process? And then let's talk about what that means in the glass. Is that is that is that cool? Hey, Chasers. I'm going to break right here. You're going to have to wait till next week to hear that answer. So join us next week for part two, where we uh, finish up this conversation with ET, learn more about what it means to be a Tennessee whiskey, and more about how I might just like Jack Daniels. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. <laughs>